Hello, everyone, and welcome to Innovation Fuel, the podcast that brings you fantastic stories from entrepreneurs and key industry professionals. I am Dave Kiran. And I am Gelare Fahadian. We are educators, entrepreneurs, and your hosts. Innovation Fuel is our weekly business podcast brought to you by University Canovas. Each week, we explore diverse business models, entrepreneur journeys, experts' insight, and managerial challenges, and how companies stay agile and innovative during COVID-19. Check out our episodes at www.youcanwest.ca slash innovationfuel. Hello, Dave. Hello, Galari. Great to see you and hear you again. Yes. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm always doing well. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting tired of being at home. So I, I think it's time for us to move back to some kind of normality. It seems like it's coming that way, but and you I will tell. Because, huh? you know, you, because you have appointment for your vaccine. I, I haven't received it yet. That's why you have a higher hopes. When you get vaccinated, I think that you, you said, that let's go for a party. And I said, like, hey, I'm not vaccinated yet. <laughs> yeah, I think that was it. Well, you know, Larry, I think, you know, one of the things that I think, you know, we're talking about these situations, but businesses are struggling with these situations. They're in COVID times. They've gone through these these tumultuous times. How are they surviving? What's out there to support them? I mean, I, mean, I have a question first. What is the status of the BC businesses, small businesses? I mean... How many of them are struggling? How many of them are thriving? And we know that the e-commerce one is thriving. A lot of companies that they do the e-commerce, they are not in a bad shape. They are actually in a very, very good shape. Some companies, when we have an interview in the innovation podcast, they say that actually they're accelerating, they're growing faster during the COVID. But some businesses are really, really struggling. So I think that if we go to bank and ask the questions about, okay, how is a BC businesses is working during the pandemic they can answer us what do you think well i think i think you might be right because as you said before digital transformation those businesses that are going into the digital world or in the digital world are, are accelerating because you know that is it but yeah there is the other ones there's the hospitality industry there's the restaurants these ones are just like it's so how are they bridging these times how who's helping them and you said i think the the question is is that these the financial institutions the banks supporting them through these times um, and I think that's the question that we, I think we need to get to the bottom of. What do you think? I think that is a great one to start. So let's bring Curtis Campbell. So welcome, Curtis Campbell, to another episode of Innovation Fuel. Welcome, Curtis. Yes, welcome, Curtis. Welcome to Innovation Fuel. We're so happy to have you here. Curtis is uh, with us from uh, RBC. Uh, very exciting to learn more about the world of RBC and learn about Curtis. But before we go to the RBC piece, we need to learn more about you, Curtis. Tell us a little bit about you. Give us a little backstory on you. Th- thanks so much. And uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here uh, as, as part of Innovation Fuel. And, and thanks for uh, thanks for the invite. Uh, 25. I'm, I'm hitting 25 years with uh, with uh, Royal Bank this year, um, which it seems like a miracle to me. You know, when I first joined the bank, I thought if I if I made it past you know five years, that would be astounding. But uh, it's been a good organization and and, and uh, provided good uh, good career progression for me. So no, it's been good. And um, you know, of, of that 25 years, I've spent about 20 of those years 
as a commercial baker. So, um, you know, working with with businesses, large, small government entities, that sort of thing. Um, and so, uh, you know, got deep and and uh, lengthy experience in working in the um, the Canadian uh, business marketplace. Right now, um, I'm a vice president of business markets for the BC region. So I lead our small business line of business across the province. So I and my call it 120, 130-ish advisors and managers um, manage about 18,000 small business clients uh, across the province. Uh, and as, as you can imagine, they're, they come in all every form and fashion and industry and lots of entrepreneurs. And it's very exciting. And um, yeah, and this, this year has certainly been a bit of a challenge, but uh, entrepreneurs are very resourceful, and very um, um, enthusiastic. So they're a great, uh, great group to, to work with. So yeah, no, it's, um, it's been a great year. So, Chris, Steve, can you give us some numbers about how many small businesses we have over BC or how they are doing before COVID, during COVID? Is there any things that we can learn from you in this about the statistic part of it? Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I get that question a lot. You know, there's especially in this last year, there, there's been a lot of there's a lot been a lot of ink spilled right around the, the plight of small businesses. You know, uh, it's no surprise to anybody that the pandemic has uh, greatly affected our, our small business clients and and commercial clients as well. And, and you know, our commercial clients, um, uh, our commercial businesses uh, certainly employ a lot of folks in, in the Canadian marketplace. So it's important to pay attention to health of business. You know, health of business is really the, the health of, of the economy and, and society in general. So there's lots of statistics and studies and surveys that have been done over the last year. A lot of pro prognosticators have predicted, you know, very pessimistic views and, and, and recently some that are very optimistic. So, you know, as I kind of review my experience and that of my team over the last year or so, um, it, it's been tough, right? We've had some very difficult and trying conversations in, in listening to to uh, our clients and and their distress and their uncertainty and and anxiety and and certainly there's been a lot of businesses that have really had to reflect hard on the core of their business and try to understand how do they best position their business for success given the set of circumstances that we have right now and and so there's been a lot of success stories and th those are very clear out in the media you know whether it's social media or traditional about businesses that have been able to find you know the, the opportunity to pivot and reposition their business to take advantage of, of you know what we have to deal with today. So so there are there are green shoots out there in amongst the the, the mess that the pandemic quite quite frankly has has created with uh, with what we had been used to in terms of uh, economic rhythms. Um, but yeah, what I would say is uh, you know as we talk with our clients, and as I mentioned earlier on, you know we we manage about eighteen thousand uh, business clients across the province, um, and we called every single one of them you know, multiple times. Um, and, and beginning with like, how are you doing? Right. And, and then, you know, evolving that conversation more into how can we support? How can we help? Like, and um, how can we advise? And so we had some great conversations and very few clients were to the point of, you know, proverbially throwing in the keys and saying, we're finished. More of the conversation was around, we're distressed, we're challenged, we're not sure where this is going. But we're going to survive. We're going to find a way. And and hey, you know, RBC, RBC advisor, how can you help? Like, how can you support us in our in our journey? Because we're not quite sure where we're going, but but we're not going to die. We're we're gonna we're gonna survive and, and we're gonna thrive. And so it's been it's been a very fluid situation um, as we continue to walk in step with our clients. 
um, and in some cases provide them with with needed support and advice uh, to to help you know um, um, guide their journey towards uh, towards success. I would say most recently, and there's been some some survey uh, data that's come out recently, the, the Canadian business element um, is expressing positivity uh, towards the future at levels not seen in quite a long period of time. So you know, there's um, the, the sense of um, yeah, I guess I guess positivity or, or um, forecasted expectations, and and they're quite strong right now. So you know, I, I think as, as vaccinations become more prevalent. Um, even though right now in our in our uh, current state, you know, the, the pandemic seems to be getting a bit of the upper hand, but vaccinations will continue. And and small business seems to see that there's there's light at the end of the tunnel closer now than ever before. And so they're preparing. They're they're preparing to take advantage of, of growth uh, acquisition um, opportunities that will present once, uh, you know, once a lot of the restrictions kind of fall away and we, we get back to you know, I'd like to say get back to normal. And of course, the qualifier is what, what's normal going to be, right? But um, I think right right now we've, we've endured, we collectively have endured a lot over the last 13 months. I mean, hopefully, I think we'd all think we've only got a few more months to go and, and then, um, you know, we can turn the page. So Curtis, have you seen a rise in new businesses coming in? Because when we have things like this, pandemics and world wars and these elements, things, innovation tends to happen. New businesses start to form, new ideas start to form. Have you seen a rise in new businesses coming to the market based on these times? Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's a it's a stat that we track quite actively is our what we call our new client acquisitions. Um, it's kind of like one of those key metrics that's important for us to understand the health of of our business, and and quite frankly, it's one of our strategic priorities is to acquire more business. You know, we are a business too, and we want to grow. And so, yeah, uh, our pace of in what we call NCAs or new client acquisitions uh, has been quite healthy. Um, last year, obviously, it was a bit of a lull. There was a point where you know, I think there's a lot of hesitation out in the marketplace, and folks weren't creating new businesses at the pace of what we'd seen in previous years. Um, but I would say to the tail end of last year and then cycling into this uh, calendar year for sure. Yeah, the pace of, of new client acquisitions has definitely been picking up. And it's not all just restaurants. And there has been a lot of restaurants and hospitality where you know, I think there's a natural cycle there where many will close and, and others will kind of you know open up in their place. But, um, you know, other service based trades, you know, real estate denominated businesses, you know, retail, and then of course, e-commerce and, and knowledge-based industry type businesses, like tremendous, tremendous growth there. So, um, and I, I spoke about trades there just, just a moment ago, like try to find a trade person in any type of discipline or denomination, like they're, they're busy, right? And uh, so I think, you know, I wouldn't call it a golden age or whatever, but it's certainly a, a moment where, you know, if you're a trades person, you, you've probably got a uh, a book of business, you know, that extends well into this year and probably beyond that. So it's it's a good time to be a tradesperson as well. So when you want to help the um, the businesses, the small businesses, startups, they just start, they want to start and they ask for financial help, how do you evaluate them to see if they are business vital or some? So this is the question that I, I received sometimes is that some business ideas is just on the paper. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, how you can find them if they, are, if they are vital? Yeah, you know, there, there's a couple of different ways of doing it. And so I would I would um, express a kind of like a, a bit of a standard rubric, right? So to, to any type of financial organization, whether you're a bank or a, a VC 
um, or any any other type of capital provider, the, the, the steps of assessment that that any adjudicator would go through is okay. Let's take a look at the industry. You know, is is it a is it an industry that is growing? You know, has good prospects, or is it a declining industry? Right, and then and then you get into the um, the actual uh, business and and the the slice of that industry that it, that it occupies. Right. Uh, and then, you know, it'll go into the, the management of that business. So who's going to actually own this business? Who's going to run it? What are their skills? What are their expertise? What's their experience? Because there's risk there, right? Is if it's, if it's a person who's opening up a new business and they've got some denomination of skills, experience and expertise, the chances of that business succeeding is a lot better than somebody who woke up one day and decided, you know, I'm going to open up e-commerce business, right? So yeah, it, it kind of top down. It's like, what's the industry characteristics? You know, what's what's the proposed business characteristics within that industry? You know, what does call it management um, look like? You know, and that's all kind of qualitative. Then you'd get into a lot of the quantitative aspects. So you know, what are you? What do the numbers look like? You know, so and this is you know the, the dragon's den type of analysis. You know, you got to know your numbers, right? Like, what are your sales uh, margins? Um, you know, what are your forecasted profit loss, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so, so a business owner needs to be able to demonstrate some, some thoughtfulness and reasonableness in terms of their, their, their numbers for forecasting. And, and so then that helps a, a financial provider understand what is the role that the financial provider needs to play? Like, are we being asked to provide short-term working capital to help the, the, the business kind of get out of the blocks and, and start selling? Or is it more equity type capital that the business needs because they need to build whatever it is their production facility is going to be or acquire assets um, that allows them to, to produce? Um, and so that that type of capital may be more, uh, as I said, patient equity capital where it's injected for a period of years until the, the business can produce profitability. So, yeah, I, I would say to an entrepreneur or business owner, you know, you, you certainly have to do your marketplace scan to understand what what place your business is going to play within within the competitive marketplace and then uh, yeah know your numbers so that you know we can we can understand how how best we can help you good so so turn us today I, I, when i go in in this pathway like you know we see digital transformation happening here we see small medium-sized businesses that are transforming to meet the digital needs but this is also affecting, I'm sure, banks and how banks deliver on certain services in order to make sure they maintain their clientele and support them. Or to, and I know that you have a forward-thinking CEO that comes from a tech background. So what what is RBC doing for its clients and how are they advancing their business and growing in, in, with the changing times? Yeah, yeah. No, thanks. Thanks for the question there. We, you know, so we, you know, at RBC, we've been on a a technological transformation or, or a, a, a digital enablement pathway for, for quite a period of time. And, and those are two different things. You know, technological transformation is more internally focused, right? Like what are we doing for ourselves to upgrade systems? Um, you know, it's all the kind of digital infrastructure that kind of lays in the ground that, that helps the bank operate, right? And, I'm, and I wouldn't comment a whole bunch on that. That's not my forte or whatever, but there's, there's a lot, a lot of time, effort, money, and resources that is, that is put to help RBC, and I'm sure many companies, you know, technologically transform. Then there's the digital enablement part, and that's that's more external focusing. That's more client engagement. So how is our organization arranging ourselves to engage with our clients in a new way, in a digital way, to help enable them to, um, you know, either uh, save time, save money, save costs, reduce risks, 
you know, there's a, there's a, an array of benefits that can come through, through digital enablement. So, you know, and, and simply stated, you know, uh, payment systems is something that's incumbent upon every business, right? How do you pay and get paid, right? And we can take a look at years ago, you know, most of it was paper-based, check-based, right? Writing, writing and receiving checks. Well, it's very antiquated. And, at, you know, at some point in the future, you know, the Canadian Payments Association, which is the regulatory body for, for all of Canada, has signaled that at some point paper-based payment instruments will, will probably fall away. And, and we move more towards digital settlement of, um, of money in, money out, right? And, and we're already there, right? And so it's, it's a progression of continuing to work with, with business clients and helping them to understand how to arrange their, their cash flow, basically, to digitize that because it's more efficient. There's less risk. It's more cost effective. Um, and, and that's, I would say that's the simple stuff because there's, you know, you don't have to over educate businesses around that because it's all around us anyway. It's just how do we make this work for you? So, so there's some education and, and some support and advice that we are doing on a, on a constant basis. So that's, that's kind of table stakes. That's a, that's the basic, uh, advice, uh, proposition that we undertake all the time. Um, a couple of things that are really exciting and, and fairly new, um, that we're, we're grappling with to understand how to maximize value to our business clients. One is um, a cash flow kind of predictor engine. So, you know, I, I would say visualize this, you know, you're a, you're a, you're a small business client um, and understanding your cash flow is vital because you can't run out of cash. If you run out of cash, you got problems, right? You know, across a broad definition, right? So you don't want to run out of cash. So keeping a tight control and awareness on cash up, cash down, and forecasting, you know, what are your cash flow needs going to, going to be is really important. Well, you know, our, our analytics, our systems now allow us to be able to um, consult with our clients and say, look, we can tell, we know that, you know, week over week, month over month, year over year, you're using more cash or you've accumulated more cash. Like we can tell in terms of, you know, clear charts and graphs, whether you're spending more, spending less, selling more, selling less. And, and how that is impacting your cash flow position. What's even more exciting is we can now also predict, you know, based on, you know, historical plus current state of, of being, we could see and we could say to a client, look, our cash flow engine is telling us in about four weeks, you might have a liquidity crisis. You might actually run out of cash. And so let's, put a plan in place to understand what other capital support, you know, bridge financing, whatever it is you might need so that we can avoid that event four weeks down the road when you're going to do payroll and all of a sudden you realize, oh shoot, I don't have enough money, right? So let's 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 get rid of that potentially negative event through kind of predictive analysis and just ongoing communication. And it's really exciting. This is just like probably in the last quarter that we're getting familiar with this. And the, the conversations that we can have with our clients are so much more richer. They're more value added. Um, you know, clients in, in, in trying to answer the question, you know, what does my bank do for me? Like, what is the value of my banker to me and my business? You know, we've got new answers to that question today that we haven't had years in the past. And that, that's directly the the um, result of the the investment and the attention that we've been making on on technological uh, transformation and digital enablement. The, the other one that we've got is, um, uh, and again, it's kind of in the last 
the last couple of quarters here that we've, we've been able to go live with this is, and I, I guess I'll describe it through, through a, a bit of a, a visual here is think of, think of yourself, let's say you're a, um, you know, you're a retail business, like a, a, a quick serve restaurant or something like that. Any of the, the, the names out there and you want to know, okay, over any period of time, week over week, month over month, year over year, you know, sales up or down, I probably can figure that out on my own, right? Maybe I even know um, over a all hours of the day, seven days a week, when are my hot spots and when are my low spots? M- maybe you know that, you know, maybe if your franchise or, uh, or maybe if your franchise, your, your franchise or gives that to you, maybe you know that, maybe you don't. Uh, we know that, we can tell you now, but what you probably don't know is where are your customers coming from? How far are they driving to come to your location? So say you are a franchise in the middle of a metropolitan area, you know, where there's a population all around you. Um, Chances are not every single one of your customers is coming from a five-minute walk. They're coming from different areas in different directions. So where are they coming from? Well, we can tell you that. What proportion of your customers are male versus female? And, And what is the age distribution of your customers? You know, how many are in the zero to 19, 19 to 29, how many are 65 plus, you know, all in there. Yeah, we can tell you that. We know that information. Uh, yeah, Curtis, you, you can get this information because of they're using the RBC card or you can use it because because you can see that you can have access to the all kind of other banks as well. So great question. So so in our call it insight engine is is a number of systems. Uh, but the, the biggest data set that we're employing is, is Royal Bank's own information. So generally speaking, about one in four transactions, one in four tra- financial transactions that happens in this country is with a RBC branded card, whether it's a debit card or credit card or whatever the case is, but one in four. And so that is an enormous data set that, that you know, you, you analyze that and the, the trends that come out of that data set are, are pretty indicative statistical anomalies with that amount of data is going to be pretty low. Um, to your point, we, we, we don't access other banks. That's their proprietary information. What we do know is RBC has the largest data set. So that makes our data a little bit more reliable, perhaps a little bit more insightful. And then, and I would also say this, it is anonymized. Obviously banks um, and RBC being highly regulated, you know, we're, we're regulated under the federal bank act, you know, we absolutely have to abide by the highest level of scrutiny to, to the government's privacy uh, rules and guidelines. And, you know, we, we can't we can't breach that. So all the data is anonymized. We, we can't pinpoint a particular person um, or a particular business and say, well, that was you. Right. So it's all it's all anonymized. So like just it's OK. Um, but um, we also we also subscribe to other. So we use like StatsCan. Uh, and, and census data and that sort of thing. And we pull all that all into our, our um, insight engine and, you know, crunch that data through a bunch of algorithms. And of course I don't understand, but we got really smart people to do. And uh, what I do understand is the output and the output is what's most insightful and, and valuable to our clients. Curtis, we, I, I think that we need to go for another episode with you to have more information about that one. Is there any challenge you want to give to our students? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, recognizing your students, you know, either have businesses or contemplating businesses or work in businesses right now. And I would say, think about your data. Like every, 
every business generates data. You know, there's, there's a data exhaust that comes out the back of all, all businesses and all of their activities. And are, are, is every business capturing their data? And um, so, so you have to design your systems, your, your input to be able to um, capture it. But then you also have to have a methodology for being able to manipulate that data. I shouldn't use the word manipulate, but to, to analyze that data in a way that you get some output that is meaningful. Because meaningful output, meaningful insights allows you to, you know, monetize that data for yourself, right? You, you learn something about your customers, you learn something about your marketplace, and, and that can help guide business owners to make key strategic decisions on where they take their business next in terms of their growth trajectory and, and maximizing, you know, the, the market opportunity that their, their business has been set up for. So, yeah, I guess the challenge would be just think about your data. You know, what, what kind of data does your business generate and how do you capture, analyze and monetize that in a way that adds value to your organization? So, so, Curtis, this has been a really engaging conversation, and I love where we're going with this. And I'd like to build on this, as, as Glory said, into the finance side of things and how the financial side of it brings forth in this. But I love the community support. This is another partnership in your in your wheelhouse and how to support you through your endeavors as you're going. Because, you know, having, you know, RBC and having a bank to support you, not only in just giving you the financing to support your business, but also giving the information to support in that shared economy to try and for it, find ways to help you build that idea, build that concept. So great conversation. Uh, love to have you back uh, at, at another episode here coming up in the, in the next little while. Fantastic. More, more than happy. Um, uh, it's, as you can tell, you know, we're really enthusiastic about our small business clients and entrepreneurs and they need, you know, a lot of support to get out of the blocks. And, and more than that is support to help them grow expand, acquire, and, and you know, really um, uh, realize the, the, the innate potential that so many of our Canadian businesses have in, in our marketplace. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Curtis. That was another episode of Innovation Fuel. See you on the next episode. To all entrepreneurs and managers out there, we have ambitious students here at UCW who would love to hear from you and help you with your business through our internship or capstone program. If you think you have a wonderful story or a challenge that you want to share with our students and our audience that you think they can benefit from, we want to hear from you. We want that information. We want you to be a part of this show. We also want you to join our mentorship program. We've got a great mentorship program to help students as they move on their educational journey towards getting into a career or launching a new opportunity. So reach out to us. Connect with us at www.youcanwest.ca slash innovation fuel. You have just listened to the Innovation Fuel podcast with your hosts, Dave and Gellere. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, or Spotify. Join us next week for another innovative story. Thank you for listening and have a great week.